Thank you, Lord. The book of Romans, the seventh chapter. And the title of this message is The Problem of Indwelling Sin. be in the book of Romans, the seventh chapter. I'm going to read a few verses here, starting at the sixth verse. I'll read from verse six to <clears throat> verse 12. It's written here in the book of Romans that verse starting with verse six, it says, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in oldness of the left. Hmm. Very important there. Verse 7 says that, verse 8, verse 7 says, what... Shall we say then, is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, hmm, very important, but sin taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. Hmm. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Now here's the problem with indwelling sin. It causes a war between the spirit and the flesh. Now, <coughs> three things... <coughs> I want to point out before we get into this message. First of all, in verse 7 or verse 8, we see that first thing sin does is sin taken occasion by the commandment, it works or wrought in me, that word wrought there means to work in me, all manner of concupiscence, which means forbidden lust. That's what sin does. It takes an occasion by the commandment or the law and it begins to work in us all manners of forbidden looks. This, according to the scripture, verse 8 here. In verse 11, we also see the second thing that sin does is sin will deceive me. 
We see it there. It will take an occasion by the commandment and it will deceive us. And then the third thing that sin will do is sin wrought death in me by that which is good. We'll see that in verse 13. And we'll go down through there and we'll deal with this in a minute. First of all, we have to, the first thing is that sin, in verse 8, taken occasion by the commandment, it wrought in me all manner of concupiscence or forbidden lust. Well, observe that Paul had in him all manner of forbidden lust, just like any other man. Because he's talking about himself here. So first of all, you see, we have to understand that men are men, whether they were born then or whether they were born today or whether they are born in the future, they're still going to be men. The best of us, on our best state, the Bible says, a man in his best state is nothing but vanity. He says, our righteousness ain't nothing but filthy rags. It's through the blood of Jesus. If you remove the blood from God's seat, when God looks at your soul and my soul, he don't see the blood, you're in trouble. Because it's the blood that covers us. Observe that Paul had in him all manner of concupiscence or forbidden lust working in him, though one of the best religious men that ever lived. As touching the righteousness of the law, he was blameless. He's the chief Pharisee, and yet sensible of all manner of concupiscence, like all men are. And it was sin that wrought in it, indwelling sin, his corrupt nature, which took occasion by what? The very same law that God gave. Sin wrestles with it, takes an occasion, and we'll get into that in a minute, and it causes sin to abound even further in us. I'll show you how it does just in a minute. Our corrupt nature would not have swelled, hear me good, our corrupt nature would not have swelled and raged so much if it had not been for the restraints of the law. <clears throat> See, that's what made the wrestle. See, you didn't know you were sinning, and I didn't know I was sinning until the law came. Now, when the law came and told me that I should not covet my neighbor's wife, now where I've been looking, now it's a fight because the law done told me not to do that. Now there's a struggle. But before the law was there, see, I didn't have no restraint. See, the word of God put a restraint on you. And guess what? Paul is the one talking here, so Paul means restrained by the word of God. So here the law is restraining me, but knowing that there is no good thing that dwelleth in my flesh, I'm torn between two loves. The love of the flesh and the love of the spirit. Because the Bible emphatically states that with my mind I serve the law of God. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. We'll get to that in a minute, too. 
So what happens is, what, what takes place here is that ever since Adam ate forbidden fruit, we have all been fond of the forbidden path. Right or wrong? The diseased appetite, and that's exactly what sin is, a diseased appetite, is carried out most strongly towards that which is hurtful and prohibited. Is it not true? That's where our most strongest desires are, is from the things that are most dangerous to us and most prohibited to us. You ever tell a child not to do something? You'll find a way to do it. Just as soon. Now, until that child was told not to do that, he didn't seek to do it. As soon as you told him not to do it, he still did it, but he started seeking to do it. See, see, when you put the law to him that you can't do this, now he's trying to figure out a way how he can do it without you seeing Sin will make you do things undercover as if God can't see you. So, the second thing we're going to deal with is sin being deceived. Me. Sin puts a cheat upon the sinner. And it's a fatal cheat called the wages of sin is what? Death. By it, by the commandment, sin slew me. As the serpent, which we all know is that whispering enchanter, said to our first parents, You shall not surely die. See, sin deceived and slew him. Because God already told him on the day now that you eat from this, you're going to die. But sin comes through the whispering enchanter and tricks us and cause us to spiritually kill ourselves. That's what, that's, that's what happened. The third thing we deal with, sin worked death in me by that which is good. The worst thing that sin does, and most like itself, is the perverting of the law. Sin loves to pervert God's law. And taking occasion from it, to be so much more malignant. Thus the commandment, which was ordained to life, was intended as a guide in the way to comfort and happiness, proven to death through the corrupt nature found in verse 10. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. You see it there, verse 13. Many of precious souls have been split upon the rock of salvation. And the same word which to some is an occasion of life unto life is to others an occasion of death unto death. This very same word that we speak, Jesus says in John 12, 48. These words that I've spoken to you are going to be the same words that judge you in the last days. The very same one. That men and women and boys and girls reject is going to be the same one that take us under 
in the end. The very, it's going to come back. Didn't my prophet tell you there ain't going to be no negotiation? No. Yeah, but. No, but wasn't in the clock. Nowhere was but in the clock. He said, you must be born again. You must humble yourself unto the authority of God. You must hear the word of God through, whether it be a jackass, you still got to hear. Now, if a jackass to speak to Balaam, surely I can speak to you. That's fact. And the prophet Balaam was so crazy and tore up in the head because he was bent on doing it his way. And he couldn't even see what was down there in that little road that he was going down. That little old street was an angel with a sword. He could cut their head off. And the donkey, the jackass, said, look here, you beat me. Why are you beating me? Am I, yes, am I not the same jackass you've been riding? Have I ever rode you wrong or, or, or taken you to a place? Did you didn't, but I'm not taking you down through there because I see something that you don't see and I'm trying to tell you and you're not wanting to listen to me. So you can beat on me all you want to, but you're going to have to get off me and walk down there because I am not going down through there because if I go down through there, then the, I'm going to be the first one to get my head cut off because my head is going to reach that Yeah. Huh? All right. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. Amen. So many a precious souls have been split upon the rock of salvation. The same word that give you life gives life to some and death to others, depending on whether you hear or not, and then act on what you hear. The way to prevent the mischief is to bow our souls to the commanding authority of the Word and the law of God. That's how our souls can be prevented from this mischief. Not striving against, but subverting to it through Christ. See verse 13. Was then that which is good made unto death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin... Working death in me by that which is good. Now that's strange. That sin by the commandment might become exceeding sin. Let's go back up here to verse 6. Let's go down through here and let's deal with some stuff. It says, but now we are delivered from the law. Delivered from the law? I thought the law was our friend. The law has never been instituted to be your friend. Grace has, but not the law. Why? I want to show you something about the law. I want you to go with me to Hebrews. That's why I say deliver me from the law. Y'all see it there? In verse 6, he said, but now we are delivered from the law. Why would God want to deliver us from the law? 
Go to Hebrews, the seventh chapter. And that's a good thing. If you have an open head and eyes to see, chapter 7 of the Hebrews is a real good book. Hebrews is a good book to read, period. But <coughs> chapter 7 is an awesome book for you to read. I want you to go to, to, to uh, chapter 7. Uh, chapter 7. And there are couple of places here I want to all right let's go to verse 18 to mm -hmm. 18 and 19 Hebrews chapter 7 verse 18 and 19 over there I want you to see something about the law for there is verily a disannulling a disannulling means a doing away of of the commandment, that's the law, going before the law that was before grace came. That's what it's talking about. There is verily a disannulling of that law of the old days, okay? That's what it's talking about there. I'm, I'm simplifying it for you. Going before, why? For the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. You see, the law was weak. The law was unprofitable. And what else was the law? Verse 19 says, For the law made nothing perfect. But grace through Christ Jesus makes us perfect in Him. You see why the law had to be done away with? You see why we had to be delivered from the law? Because the law would forever keep us weak. Hear me? Because it was weak. And if you was under it, then you were under weakness. You were under unprofitableness. And you were also under imperfection. Because that's what the law was, right? And if you are under the law, then you're going to be whatever the law is, right? Weak, unprofitable, and imperfect. Because the law never was sent to make any of us perfect in Christ. It simply came... To show you that, hey, you are not qualified as a man to uphold the law that I give to you. So when the law came, what it did was it showed you just how much you needed to save you. Because many of people have ran themselves crazy, Christians, with their own self-righteousness, trying to be made perfect only to become abused, misused by that same thing that they, by their own righteousness. Did you not know your own righteousness will, it will mess you up. Because you'll never be able to see the goodness of God through your own righteous eyes. Because your righteousness won't allow you to see the goodness that the Son brings every day. You will always find something wrong. But grace, oh, thank God for grace. Grace looked through your imperfections and saw your good. And said, that's what I'm going to work on right there, the good part. That's what I'm going to perfect in you. Because I know Paul said that no good thing dwelleth in my flesh. Oh, I know that. Flesh and blood cannot enter into the 
kingdom of God. Now, where is the kingdom of God within? Flesh and blood can't enter in there. You see what I'm saying? All flesh and blood can do. So here we have, we have this flesh. We got this kingdom. It's a pearl inside of us. But it's got all of these cut-you vines around it called the flesh and the desires thereof. And we got to plow through that to get to that pearl. But everybody knows cut-you grow fast. So as we pull, it's something else trying to get in on us to keep us from that pearl. Am I making sense to the church? It happens just like that. So, we have to be delivered over here, back over here in, in Romans, the 6th verse, chapter 7. It says, but now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held. We were dead. We were a prisoner of death when the law had us. That's it. That we should serve in the what kind of spirit? Newness of the spirit. And not in the what? Oldness of the letter. See, the oldness of the letter is the law. 2 Corinthians 3 and 6 tells us that God has made us able ministers of the New Testament. And 5 and 6. It talks about the sufficiency of God and that God has made us able ministers of the New Testament in the Spirit. Didn't it say the newness of the Spirit? And not in the letter. Why? Because right there in that same verse of 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, it says that the letter, which is the law of children, but the Spirit makes a life. That's why we have to serve God in the newness of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6. Y'all see it? Amen. You see, God has made us able ministers of the Spirit. And if people ain't opening up this word to you in the Spirit realm, then they got you in the law and you don't even know. They got you bound by the law. And many of Christians are bound by the law and many leaders teach the law not even realizing they teach it. They do. But it says here in verse 7, back over here in Romans 7 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? It says, God forbid. The law is not sin, people. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Didn't I just say that just a minute ago? Until the law told me that I ain't got no business looking at another man's wife, then I didn't care. I'd be downtown just looking, didn't care. Be mesmerized. But the, yeah, well, I'm going to be honest. Come up in there playing no game. Better all of us men up in here. Better be men. Do anything else we want. <laughs> so, yeah. So, until the law will tell me, no, boy, you ain't supposed to be doing that. You ain't supposed to be doing that. Like, uh, like your wife don't see you when you're walking with her. You cutting and you. Oh, I'm going to be real. 
I'm talking about the things that we had to get straight in our lives. And it took some time to do that. Right? And while we were doing it, our wives put up with us, but they weren't ignorant of it. Well, it worked both ways. But I can only look at it. I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking from a man's point of view. I'm just trying to get a, get a point across because when I speak of man, I'm talking about everybody. We're all man. He made man, male and female. That's what he said. So the woman got a little man in her and the man got a little woman in him because the woman came out of me. Well, that's the way it is. That's not in a perverted way. But that's the way God made it. And then he took it out of them and then put it back together with it. So that the two become one again. But they would know. But verse 8 says here, But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, see? See, here's what sin will do. Sin don't want to bow down to the commandment. So what sin will do is sin will wrestle with the law. The war between the spirit and the flesh. It'll work. And every once in a while, this is what sin will do. Sin will be locked into a battle with the law in you. And every once in a while, Sin will take the Lord, push it off, just long enough, take an occasion by the commandment. Just long enough to do what it want to do. Now, what that does is causes sin to abound even more so. Because now, you know the truth, you know what the law told you to do, but sin rushes the law off you, and got out on you. You know, we had old sin. The old boys, he got out on me. Yeah. Well, sin got out on the law. You know, it got over on it. Just long enough to do what it wanted to do. And it allowed itself to abound because now it becomes more aggressive. When it gets the chance to release itself. Because you got to understand, if you ever had a dog locked up, you turn him loose, he'd go crazy for a minute. He just running all over the place till he settled down. So that's how sin is when it pushes the law off you from wrestling with it. It'll do its thing like a mad dog until the law grab him again. Say, hold up. You know, you done gone crazy, you know. But then it's already done abounded and it's going to cause some problems in your life. Amen. Because whatever a man sow, you can bet he's going to reap. Because God is not mocked. All right? Make sense? Make good sense, no. Now, it says, Paul, but sin, take your occasion by the commandment, robbing me all matter of forbidden love. For without the law, sin was dead. Without the law. I ain't nothing about no sin without the law. For I was alive without the law once. You see, before I was saved, well, I don't know about no law. All I know is fulfill my flesh. So I went and did it. 
I never was satisfied, so I just wanted more and more and more. So sin kept abounding more and more. Well, I was still there, but see, I didn't know it. I didn't know that death was in what I was doing. So, so, so without the law, Paul said I was alive once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Because now, I said, oh, the law says this, but I'm doing this. So I'm, and the wages of sin is death, so I died. But before I was alive, before I knew the law. For the commandment, verse 10, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, here he goes again, taking occasion, there it is, by the commandment, it deceived me, and by it slew me, because the wages of sin is death. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Now, was then that which is good, verse 13 asks, made death unto me? God forbid. But sent the law, which was good, was it made death unto me? That's what it's asking. God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. See, that's what the law did. The law brought it forth so that sin would appear to be working death in me. By that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. And that's what I was saying. When you break loose from the law to go and sin, then it becomes exceedingly sinful then because for him to know to do good and do it not, to him it is death. It is sin. And after we know to do good and we don't go and do it, then there's no other remission of sins. You see. No other. For we know that the law is spiritual. Well, look what Paul said. But I'm carnal, And I'm sold under sin. So in his mind, he knew that the law was spiritual. But in his flesh, he knew that he was carnal and sold under sin. Verse 15 says, For that which I do, I follow not. Mm-hmm. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that do I. Have you ever been caught up in something? You hated it, but you did it. And you did it. And you did it. And the law would tan your head up and say, but you did it. And you did it. And you continue to do it until you were just about out of your mind, but you still did it? Well, that's what he's talking about. That's exactly what the man is talking about here. He said, that which I would do, I don't do. But what I hate, that's the thing that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth nothing good. Nothing. None are righteous. No, not one. The Bible says we've all gone straight from God. None of us have sought the Lord. That's the word. You say, well, how can I do that? Because I come to church every Sunday. I know I... You got it all wrong, sisters and brothers. 
It ain't about whether you come to church every Sunday or not. It's about whether you are to church or not. See, there's a lot of people think that all they got to do is become a member of some highfalutin church, like we was out yesterday uh, doing some ministering over in there. And this lady, God bless her little soul, I go to First Baptist of Boiling Springs. I say, well, yeah. I say, well, that's Dr. Hank Williams over there. I know him. He's a friend of mine. Yeah, I know. I know all the people in Boiling Springs. And I know that he got that big old church down here, Boiling Springs. It's over 100 years old. I, I, I know they got that down there. But I, what I'm trying to say, church, is that some people join these big establishments for the prestige. They don't join it for God. Name, connection, prestige. Yeah, I slide you my business card, you slide me yours, and we'll do some business. This is where we meet to do business. But we're supposed to meet here to do God's business. But we here really trying to get another contract. Because I'm in where all the business people are. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to us. I'm telling you how this thing works. So we think that people with a whole lot of money and got this going on and got that going on, but they really don't have what you think they got going on because they're miserable. But see, they got this big facade. Everything that they have is a facade. The big house is a facade. The big bank account is a facade. The big church is a facade. The big congregation is a facade because inside they are filthy. They are hurting. And they're not saved. I had a lady, a friend of mine, uh, uh, tell me. She said, uh, one of our partners, Winfro, Brother Winfro's wife, told me, she said, you know, I go down here to First Baptist Spartanburg. And she said, I went up and I told Dr. Winton that, you know, Dr. Winton, these people up in here need to get saved. And he looked at her like she was crazy. They need to get saved. Yeah, you don't even know that your people ain't even saved. You preaching to them every week. Because all you do is you're thinking about that $150,000 that you get and plus all them perks that you get, you know. So you think you done did your job because you stand up there and you do, you know, you, you, you talk a little bit in your foreign accent to the people and you think you done done something. You ain't really done what you think you done did. If your people ain't saved, if your people ain't growing, then you really ain't, you, you, you need to check yourself. Because if somebody out in the audience have to come to you and say, man, you know, these folk ain't saved, then you need, to, you need to take a look at that. But because she wasn't of clergy and she wasn't of the right status, in other words, all she could do would be a tithe payer. The rest of it, she just needed. But she done came and said, look, folk out here need to get saved. Because you see, you're the eyes and the ears, right? I always tell y'all that. You're the eyes and the ears. So she did her job. She reported. Now, he was supposed to did something about it. Instead of looking up in disdain and disorder, right along. Now, He said, I know, verse 18, and ain't nothing good dwelling in me. For to, to will is present with me. 
I want to do good, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Anybody ever been there? You want to do what's right. You want to do what's good. But you, don't, you ain't figured out how to perform that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to do better. So I got to search out how I can do this stuff. Well, Paul had to also. Because he says here in verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. He's backwards. And so is man. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no longer or no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. It's that sin. I find then a law that when I would do good, I find that evil is there present with me. Every time I go to do good, evil is there present with me. Every time God places you to another level in him, evil is there present with you. That's why it's being attacked. For I delight in the law of God. After what kind of man? The spiritual man, the inward man. I delight after that. I want to do better. But every time I do better, evil is there present with me. Frightening. So the higher I go in the dark, the higher the demons come at me. So expect it when you go higher in God to be attacked more. It's a normal thing. So don't get all ruffled up and run scared. Holler about, man, you know it ain't supposed to be. It is supposed to be like it is. If hell going on in the church, then it is supposed to be like that because something is going on in the church that the devil don't want you to have. And what we have to do is stand forth on it and give God praise in spite of all of it and go ahead on and do what God wants us to do. That's what we're supposed to do. Because it's the thing, if God takes us to another level, then hell going to take it to another level too. You've got to be tested. But what do we do as church folk? We get all up tight and, oh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And it ain't nothing but an acorn, chicken noodle. It's supposed to be like that. Oh, you know, I don't want to go in for no mess. Well, you're the mess if you don't straighten out the mess. Huh? We got to straighten it out. It's, it's normal. It's normal when the, when the clouds come, that the rain come with it. It's normal when the sun comes up, that the heat comes with it. It's normal when you go higher in the Lord, you go higher in the devil too. So as you, yeah. It's normal. Ain't nothing strange as if something strange happens. It's supposed to be like that. And if it ain't going to happen like that, then you better check where you're going in God. For I delight in the law of God. After the end of man. But verse 23 is awesome. He says, but... That cancels out some things. 
but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, what the Spirit is, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, say, I see something else working here. And it ain't good. Because it's bringing me into captivity of the members of my body. You see? But I won't. I delight in the law of God in my mind. But in my members, I'm all messed up. You know, I'm all shook up as Elvis would say. So he says in verse 24, Oh, wretched man that I am. Now here's a man crying out to God. Now he's crying out. He sees some ugly stuff going on in himself. He, notice Paul ain't looking nowhere else. If you know, if you see what Paul is doing, Paul is giving you an internal blueprint of himself. Paul ain't looking nowhere else but inside of him. Paul ain't pointing fingers. Except for himself. He said, he don't say, oh, what a wretched man you are. He said, hey, he said, oh, what a wretched man I am. And then he asked the question, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Did you see that word body there? Do you not know that death has a body? That means that death is a lie. And the only way that death can stay alive is that it continues to get a body. Death thrives on a body. Did you hear what I said? See, 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 we're going, when we're talking about death, we're going up against a spiritual demon that only Jesus could take care of. See, this thing is deeper than just what they're preaching to you about. See, you, you, you're going up, when you're talking about death, death is never satisfied. Death always looking for a body. He said, Paul said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Death is a body, and it needs a body. It's a lie. It's a lie. And it's always looking for a body. Because that's how death stays alive. By looking for a body. Did you not know that if everybody got saved and lived the way God told them to live, that death would have to die? Because it couldn't get nobody no more? Now you understand why God is going to come back and clean it up? Where death won't have no more rain? But in order for death to have no more rain, sin got to be taken out of the equation. Amen. Got to be. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death that I'm in? See, we think we got it going on in this flesh. But all we got is a body of death. 
Who shall deliver me from this death? Who? Somebody. I need some help. Then he comes in verse 25. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, which is his power and his wisdom. Our Lord. So again, look what he does. He said, with the mind, mm -hmm. with the mind, I myself, so he's still talking about himself, I serve the law of God. With what? Ephesians, what, 3.23, somewhere along in there, it said, be ye renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let me make sure that's what it said. Be ye renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amen. Ephesians 3, might be 4.23. Ephesians 4.23 said, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And verse, or, or verse 23. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. And then 24 said, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, let me give you a secret about death. The last thought that you leave up out of here with when you take your last breath is the one that's going to decide whether you make it into heaven or hell. Remember the powers of the air, the demons. Remember, your soul has to get through that before you can get to a place of safety in God when you die. You better hear what I'm saying here. Now, you can't go on your own. You've got to be escorted through the airway by angels. Otherwise, if you're not escorted, then the demons will latch onto you and take you another way. Y'all better catch what I just told you. You can play church if you want to. I'm giving you kingdom. Amen. You know, being a hollering dog, the woe is me to have people preach to you about this and preach to you about that, but I'm going to preach to you about the kingdom. Amen. About how we're going to handle and get rectified at the end time, which is thanks. Because the Lord. Whether he come to get us collectively or whether he come to give you individually, you will be raptured up out of here. Amen. I'm going to say that again just in case somebody didn't hear me. I said whether Jesus come and take us up collectively at the same time or whether he come and get you individually, Amen. you will be raptured up out of here. Amen. And you will have to have an escort. Because when Jesus comes to get you, he comes with the angels. And they are the ones that reap for him. He sends out his angels to do the reaping. See, see, when death comes to get you, God sends an angel, if you hear, to handle that. To handle that. To take you back into his bosom until that day of resurrection when he calls you back forth. But you got to be with the right angel. He says here, so then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. 
1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 through 15. I've got it here. It's got to be for a reason. And then I'm close. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 through 15. All right. Here's what we got here. Here's hope. Now, if, oh, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. The Bible says, now, if any man build upon this foundation, mm -hmm, the one that Jesus laid, if he gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hail, stone. Verse 13 says, every man's work shall be made known or manifest, okay? Every man's work is going to be made known, manifest. For the day shall declare it. In other words, it'll speak for itself. What you have done or what you haven't done. Because it shall be revealed by what? Fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now notice, it says up here in verse 12. That if any man builds upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hail, stone. All that's going to be tried in the fire, right? Now, when you look at gold, silver, and precious stone, the only thing the fire can do to it is purify it even more. But if your works are hay and stubble and wood, fire burn it up. Everything he said going to be tried by fire. Didn't he say it? Everything. Verse 14 says, If any man works abide which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. That's if your works abide after that five years. You'll receive a reward for it. Verse 15 saying, I'm closing, If any man's works shall be burned, here's hope, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be what? Ain't God good? Now ain't he good? God knows that some of the foundation is going to be built on hay, wood, and stuff. He knows. But because flesh and blood can't enter in into the kingdom of God, what he's going to do is he's going to purify that which in you that's readily and accessible to him. He's going to do that. And he's not going to take your soul and throw it into hell fire. Because some of your works got a little wood in it. And some of my works got a little hay in it. And some of somebody else's works got a little stubble in it. And some of us and all of us got a little bit of everything. <laughs> but God said that we'll just suffer long. But our soul will be saved. We serve a good God, don't we? Now that's hope, people. That's why Jesus said, look, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you also believe in me. He said, in my father, there are many mansions. And I'm going to prepare one for you, that's a promise. So that where I am, you'll be also. Mm -hmm. He said, if this wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you so. Jesus, the only thing God can do is tell a lie. He said, look, look, listen, you can trust this. i got a place prepared for you. If you just abide in me and let my word abide in you. He said, I know 
that there's going to be a little bit of stubble in your life. I know that there's going to be a little bit of wood and a little bit of hay. I know, but I also know there's going to be some gold, some silver, and some precious stones in your life too. And what I'm going to do for you is because I only want the best out of you, I'm going to purify you with my Holy Ghost fire. And then I'm going to bring you on to me. So that you can be compatible with your man-child suit of armor that's in heaven waiting on you. Y'all remember the man-child. Don't, don't forget to feed it. See, see you, know, you know what's so heartbreaking, Red? I'm going to tell you what's so heartbreaking. To have taught such an incredible word on the man-child. And I taught you that you had to feed it, didn't I? And some of them went to sleep and allowed their man-child to stop being fed properly. Now, what happens if you stop feeding it that way? Oh, baby, get bad, don't But that ain't what happened to precious. But what about your precious? What about your man-child, baby? You gonna keep feeding it? Amen. Or you gonna let the devil come? The devil tried to get it from the beginning. Amen. You think he's gonna stop? Amen. So now he can't get hit, but he can get to it through you. Uh-uh. <laughs> See, he slipped. He slipped. And I think it's a tragedy. When we get so profound teachings from heaven up in here, and then some of us along the way, we get sleepy. And then, I'm talking about in the spirit. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we go, you know, disciples, when Jesus, when Jesus say, look here, I want you to watch for me while I go with young and pray. He come back, what would Peter and them do? That's what the weights of the world do. We talked about that last time. The weight of the world will put you to sleep in the spirit. And it will cause you to think that, hey, because I ain't got no big car to drive, because I ain't living in no big car, because I ain't got no money, it will cause you to think that you are nobody. But let me hear to tell you, you somebody. The devil is a lie. Oh, yes, you are. The jewel is inside of you. The Almighty Living God has placed inside of you something that can't no amount of money buy. Now don't you lose your pearl. The Bible says that a man went out in the field and he found a pearl and he sold everything he had just to buy that field because there was something precious in that field. That field is your life. It's a pearl in your life that's precious to God. And it says you got to give up everything else if you want to get it. Or you'll just lose out. I'm not losing out. I can't lose out. And guess what? You're not either. You're not either. Because we ain't going to go to sleep. We ain't going to let it. We ain't going to let each other go to sleep no more. Now, if, you, if they choose not to hear, that's on them. But see, for everyone that don't hear, God will send one that will hear. Yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. For everyone. See, 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 sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm tired of that. Oh, are you tired of God? 
Oh, you want to go back to the hooping and the hollering and the shouting? And no word? That what you want to do? That's your choice. But we got to go up yonder. When you go forward in God, you're constantly going up. See, this is a spiritual thing. This thing ain't got nothing to do with the physical. It's all about the spiritual. And see, that's what people have forgotten. The spirit of the word. See, all we want to do, we, we equate God to material things. To how much people got. I equate God to how much God you got in you. How determined you are in God. Whether you show it up, because when you come through that door, you run through that door, happy and joyous in the Lord, because you know God got a word for you. See, that's what I'm looking for. I ain't looking for you driving up in here in no big fine nothing. I ain't looking up in for you living in no big fine nothing. See, that stuff don't move me. I'm looking at the goodness and the beauty of your soul. Because that's richer than anything. Anything. And I ain't concerned about nothing else. And when you get to that level where you ain't concerned about nothing else but God, and God will put you in a position, I say, well, Rob, God, <laughs> he'll put you in a position where you'll run back to the house of the Lord and say, I yield, I yield, I yield. Oh, yes, he will, too, now. Now, I'm telling you what I know. Because I told you before, you can take the short way, the straight down, or you can take the long way home. But you will come home somewhere. Now, when you come home, you might have a whole bunch of wounds that you really didn't have to have. You know. You, 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 you can eliminate some of the wounds and some of the hardships. But one thing about it, once you learn not to do certain things, can't nobody teach you like experience not to do that. You stick your head in that thigh, you know, don't do that no more. Ain't nobody got to tell you. No, but I can tell you, don't stick your head in that thigh. Okay, ain't got to tell you no more. Experience. Okay? Let's hear God's work.